0: the moment, wrote Lord Lytton, one deals with things beyond our comprehension, and in which our own senses are appealed to and baffled, we revolt from the probable, as it appears to the senses of those who have not experienced what we have. On the other hand, it is well to bear in mind Mr. Andrew Lang's timely remark, there is a point at which the explanations of common sense arouse scepticism. From Occultism and Common Sense by Beckles Wilson, published 1908. No, I'm not about to have another rabbit hole about the Golden Dawn. As an artist myself, I'm fascinated by the link between art, creativity and spirituality. And of course, this is a podcast about witchcraft, so specifically the kind of spirituality that we call magic. Because so much of our artistic heritage is steeped in religious symbolism, but the various paintings of the Madonna that look like a post for all of them, that are in the National Gallery, are not what I'm talking about, even though they have raised the minds of generations to their god. But the point I want to drive home is that art isn't about skill level, it's about expression. It's not like I have a right to talk about art because people pay me for my work and I have received prizes and accolades that give me a stamp of approval as a quote-unquote real artist. And anyway, there's probably plenty of people who'd say commercial photographers aren't real artists, so the whole thing is pointless. This season I'm going to explore the idea that art can permeate the very deepest part of us, where no words exist. As autism advocate Aileen Miller said, we will be looking at connecting with our own psychic abilities, regulating the nervous system so that we can connect with our creativity, as well as diving deeper into the realm of symbolism and magic. Come with an open mind and a commitment to life as a creative endeavour, or Even if you are as obsessed with certain schools of thought as I am, life is a work of art. And let's explore the intersection of art, magic and creativity. Welcome to Season 4 of Starry Sky and Wishy Things. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're a returning friend, welcome back. I'm Alexis, also known as Asteria, and I'm the star magic geek behind this podcast. I'm a photographer who works with artists, creatives, intuitives and entrepreneurs and this season is sponsored by me and my upcoming series of workshops on personal empowerment and brand storytelling using, you guessed it, Cosmic Witchcraft. You can sign up to the waitlist to be the first to know about them and get a little extra discount as a thank you for being a part of this community at alexisneve.com slash workshops. The link will be in the show notes. I'm not going to apologise for posting hours later than the start and timing, because I only apologise when I do things wrong or I hurt someone. And I hope I didn't hurt any of you by posting late. I could have pushed my body beyond its limits last night in order to publish on time, but the quality would have suffered and also it would have come from a place of obligation and complying with the demands of a society that expects us to be machines. And I am determined to rebel against that. Sometimes that means things will not look consistent if your definition of consistent is things coming out like clockwork as if i had ai do them for me I'm going to do my best to minimize the impact that my personal life and health has on my work but if it comes to needing to prioritize rest and recuperation then i'd rather impact my work and do that if that doesn't work for you, you are always welcome to go listen to someone else who has a team of people supporting them. Anyway, I had originally planned something different for this season, but timing and topics worked out perfectly, but it was not deliberate. I was inspired to shift the topic by the last Bohemians, I mean an episode to mark the exhibition on Hilma Halfklint and Piet Mondrian, uh, the Tate Modern, that closed this past weekend. According to the promo for the exhibition, quote, although they never met, Halfklint and Mondrian both invented their own languages of abstract art rooted in nature. At the heart of both of their artistic journeys was a shared desire to understand the forces behind life on earth. Quote. What fascinates me the most about these is the intersection of visual art, language and occultism. Afklint was a mystic, part of a group called the Five, comprising a circle of women inspired by theosophy who shared a belief in the importance of trying to counter the so-called high masters, often by way of seances. In the words of Tracy Bashkoff, who wrote a monograph on her, Hathclen's paintings, which sometimes resemble diagrams, were a visual representation of complex spiritual ideas. Musician Jane Weaver cited her as an influence on her 2017 album Modern Cosmology, and of course Music and the Occult is another area of well-known overlap. Brian Eno designed an Oracle deck in 1975 named Oblique Strategies, which is designed to help creatives out of a creative rut and came from thinking about approaches to his and his co creator Peter Schmidt's own work as a musician and visual artist, respectively. Schmidt's work has had many series inspired by spiritual things, including one of abstract paintings on the hexagrams of the I Ching in 1972. He once said that, quote, one of the functions of art is to offer a more desirable reality a model, as it were, of another style of existence with its own pace and its own cultural reference. So, even when there's no obvious spatial reference, it's hard to argue that it was not connected to something greater than himself. Yesterday, I was taking a nap while listening to the Moonbeaming podcast, and the host was talking about their archetypes. And it reminded me that this season I'm asking to stick around on my archetypal journey with the magician by embodying the artist magician. It's funny because my conscious mercury in human design is in gate 60 and one of my favourite human design teachers, Christy Inga, calls the archetype the embodied magician. It's a Capricorn to Aquarius gate connecting the root to the Straycrow. And to me, that's speaking so much into where our creativity resides as humans. Because yes, I come to you with a job that just says I'm a professional artist. So you might be like, easy for you to say. But the reality is humans have always been artists. Humans have always told stories. We make sense of ourselves and each other' through images and images told in words, and then in ritual and metaphors. Magic has been with us for as long as we've existed, and no technological advances have ever made that thirst for meaning go away. And it was not a surprise to me to find out about how many other people see the world through a lens where art, creativity and magic are one and the same. I kind of manifested a copy of Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. For months, I've meant to read it, but there was always a queue at the library and then when the looming deadline for this series came and I was ready to drop an audible credit on it, I had the nudge to check, just in case people dropped out and the queue was below the two weeks that it was the last time, and it was fully available. Now I could dismiss it as a coincidence, but the timing worked out perfectly in terms of my healing journey and my receptivity to what it had to say. To me, this synergy has no reason to be divinely orchestrated to be beautiful and magical. There were many passages in the book that felt extremely validating for me, coming from a family of artists who have always demanded excellence and originality, or else you were not allowed to create anything. To the point that I received no validation even in the aftermath of being named on a national Top 100 list. But my favourite bit was, perhaps unsurprisingly to those who know me well, the story of Tristan Shandy, a character in an 18th century novel that I somehow never heard of, who would dress up to overcome writer's block. And that to me is some obvious bit of glamour magic, as well as having more concrete application to do with reframing our self concept and shifting our mindset and all the themes we've been talking about in season 3. I could also resonate with a chapter about perfectionism, where she called it a hokkyo version of fear. And if you read the newsletter for this podcast, you probably know of my struggle with having Lilith in Virgo. Those new ideas together came to support the most radical one of them all, that the point of it all is not the end result that success means dedication to the craft itself. And I believe that's true both of art and of magic, which I guess is a moot point, because the point I'm making with this series is that they are one and the same. My favourite definition of magic is the one that traced back to the Edward Dorazama of the occult world, one Aleister Crowley, who defined magic as the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with the will. But I also love the quote from Adam Knotts, who hosts the Cult View podcast. In an episode I now don't remember off the top of my head, he said that magic is the art and science of beauty, which, of which the measure is surrender. And to me, the fact we often use art and science together like that, but especially that we do when thinking of magic in the modern age, is by itself significant. We all know instinctively what art is, but the actual definition on the dictionary is a quality production expression or realm of things that conform to accepted aesthetic principles of beauty, show imagination and skill, and have more than ordinary meaning and importance. I repeat that key part at the end, have more than ordinary meaning and importance. That's why we look at a urinal upside down and consider it an avant-garde piece. Duchamp described his intent with it as shifting the focus of art from physical craft to intellectual interpretation. It took an ordinary object and a rather base one, while at that, and attached meaning to it that elevates it beyond the realm of mortals into that of the imagination. And if you think about it, that's what spells do take standard objects like herbs and candles and incense and even the very words of the same language we use to talk about the weather and use them as representations of the energies and powers of other things themselves arguably also representations of something and elevate their meaning to something beyond the material reality we experience. It may sound like an obvious realisation where you're like, well, duh, of course the two things go together, But for a long time I've been trying to reconcile the fact that I am passionate about things that for most people felt different, while to me there is no separation whatsoever between being an artist and a witch. Both things boil down, ultimately, to making something intangible manifest, whether it's an idea or a lifestyle change. And the more I meditated on it and dug into the philosophy behind it, The more it seemed obvious to me that across cultures we find the idea of creativity as life force for a reason. I'm a bit tired now, the 30 degrees weather has taken as much of a toll on my body that's built to stand the cold of the thick winter in the highlands rather than tropical weather, and compared to what my divorce is taking on my emotional and mental health. So I'm going to wrap up this introduction with a short bit about the book your brain on art and then go take a nap before editing and publishing. A pioneering book in the field of neuroesthetics. The book talks about the recent discoveries proving that our brains are wired for art and storytelling and that's kind of what makes us humans. From the website quote. Using non-invasive tools, scientists are peering into the brain to learn how engagement with the arts rewires neural circuitry and creates new pathways through the process of neuroplasticity. As sensations of light, sound, smell, taste and touch enter the brain, they set off a complex cascade of neurobiological effects, sculpting and shaping neurological functions and structures. Interacting with the arts as maker or beholder sparks a dynamic interplay of neurotransmitters, triggering billions of changes that shape the way we feel, think and behave." Quote. If you are new to the podcast, you may not be familiar with my approach to magic, which I consider to be at the intersection of science and spirituality, in the spirit of Renaissance natural magic while having some clear affinity to chaos magic and a love of all things ceremonial because I have a penchant for drama. However, this is a space that is inclusive the placebo magic perspective, so I love to bring in the latest science, researching themes to do with magic and its expanding consciousness, and all things metaphysical that even just a decade ago would have been impossible to look into because we lacked the technology. So I'll be back next week with my interview with the beautiful Brandy Van talking about the clears and how to connect with the world on a deeper level and then the new moon in Virgo star news. Until then, keep living in wonder. Thank you for listening to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast. A huge thank you to Jenna Sword at Jenna, S-O-A-R-D on Instagram for the cover art and Papa Planet for the music. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to be notified when a new one comes out, please subscribe on your platform of choice and if you really love it, leave a five-star rating and review, which will help me be found by more people who'll enjoy it too. Also, feel free to share it on social media and with anyone you think should give it a shot. You can send your questions and comments to my email, starryskypodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at starryskypodcast. And you can also subscribe to my monthly newsletter at witchymusings.substack.com where I share reflections and tips about the astrological seasons. Until next time...